Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Joined as always by my co-host, that Prez at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? Good. I made it out of this draft alive. I got one more piece to publish before you people never read from me for another four or five months. I am looking forward to not reading from you, actually. I am also looking forward to not reading me for a while. <laughs> Uh, all right, but before we get an, before we get started, I do have to make an announcement that the Strickland has Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday. This pod right here that I do with Prez, even though this is going to be coming out on, like, a Wednesday. Who cares? Uh, yeah, you get access to this pod every week. Uh, you also get access to the mailbag hosted by Drew Steele. Uh, that also comes out every other week. Uh, excellent, excellent mailbag. Maybe most importantly, you get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. It certainly hasn't stopped today for reasons we will discuss as we get into the pod. There's a further tier. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant, yell, and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the absolute best in the business. There's further tiers. There's a $50 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like live watch parties, merchandise discounts, listening on pod recordings, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Uh, all right. I mean, I think we, get, we have to start with the big headline news here, uh, which is that uh, all reports which is all coming from the Dallas side, uh, is that Jalen Brunson will be a New York Knickerbocker. Uh, details are still leaking out, but it seems like a contract in the range of four years, $100 million for Jalen Brunson. Um, I don't know. Look, this is, this is your... You had to get something off your chest. Uh, Before we so. get to the Reds, I actually have a question for you that I have pondered and i just can't really come up with an answer other than they're fucking stupid which is like even if if you are dallas like they they very very clearly assumed that the knicks would not free up cap space or that the knicks could not which seems like an even worse assumption because uh, unless I, i mean I'm assuming most front offices at least have some level of ballpark view of where other contracts are viewed by the league. And, you know, we've talked about it a lot, like guys like Burks, Kemba, sure, whatever, like opinions may vary, but they're not like unmovable. Like if the Knicks really wanted to free up cap space, that was always a possibility. We wrote about it like a zillion years ago, a zillion times, like every month for the whole season. So what's their deal? Were they just kind of like crossing 
is all the surprise stuff just feigned and they're just like, oh, my God, like we, we didn't know. And da, da, da. Is it, did they just like knowingly take this risk and are now trying to cover their asses? Or what do you make of all that? Um, I think they were trying to. So, like, it came out probably a month or two ago. It might have been during their playoff run uh, where they were saying, you know, they, they were putting out there that. They would not cooperate on a signing trade. They had no interest right. in it. And I think they did not believe the Knicks would open up the cap space. I think they felt that if they were going to do anything, it was going to be in a signing trade, which doesn't really make sense to me because <clears throat> with like the nature of his contract, engaging in a signing trade with them is already super hard. So the Knicks kind of had to they kind of had to create cap space if they wanted Brunson. Um, you know, I think there's a few things at play. They might, I mean, I think it's fair to not expect. I know a lot of people expected them to trade out. I personally didn't. Um, they hadn't traded out of any draft previously, which by the way, has been another annoying thing that's been kind of bandied about is like, Oh, the Knicks traded out again. They traded out again. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? They, they took, drafted like 18 players last they year. They literally, like, they drafted four guys last year. They drafted two for their first year. Five of them are all on the All of fucking, them played minutes. Yeah, five of them are on the fucking roster. Two of them are like key reserves who probably are going to have expanded roles next year. It's, it's, and, and then Sims is that, whatever. It doesn't, it's not even the point. They got the fifth one looks like a stud over in Barcelona. The point being is like, this is the first time they actually traded out of a draft. Anyway, I think it was fair to be surprised by that. And that makes a difference. Uh, I mean, that was like a 4 or $5 million difference right there, uh, trading out of that pick. And then they dump Kemba in the process, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh shit. They're in range. Um, <clears throat> so, and, so, so I, I, and then maybe thought it was harder. I, I also, I just think they fucked up, to be honest. Because if you read the reporting, it was like, Brunson said he would take the 455 before the trade deadline, and they rejected that, which, you know what I wonder? Because I, I, I wonder if he knew if they, like, if his agent, so his agent is also, by the way, Leon Rose's son, Sam Rose, um, I wonder if they had intel on their own that Dallas wouldn't extend him, and they asked them that to get a confirmation. Because Dallas only really wanted to keep him as a trade asset, right? Like, they have no way of replacing him, and he is the second best player on that team. So losing him for nothing is hard, and you also want to keep him to pitch. if you extended him, then you couldn't, it made it harder to trade him in the short term? Is that it? Yeah, you, they couldn't have traded him at the deadline. I see. Okay. Um, but then what they did is as soon as the deadline passed, they offered him the extension. And so I think whatever the case is, that was a tell. I that, see. So that him for him, that was like, oh, like I'm worth. I'm only worth this extension in this situation, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's a tell that like they didn't yeah. really value him as. Right. Like I'm sure they valued him. You know, like right, right. I, let's be real. Like, did, what Dallas did in terms of like wanting to keep their options open isn't out of bounds or no, something that a yeah. lot of front offices wouldn't do. Um, but they clearly fucked up. And I think they fucked up for a few reasons in the sense, like, what trade were you really going to make at the deadline? You know, like, realistically, whatever trade you were going to make at the deadline would have been available for you in the offseason regarding Brunson. 
So why would you not lock him up and then worry about it later? I, I don't really, especially knowing that he was heading into unrestricted free agency. That's the part that's crazy to me. <clears throat> yeah, I really don't understand why they did what they did. You um, have to think the trade, the possible trades are fucking sweet. Like, really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. It's <laughs> like not it's, just like, okay. <laughs> it's, I, I truly do not understand it. Um, and they fucked up. And they they put themselves in a position where the Knicks could squeeze in there and work the margin of error. And by all reports, it seems like they have. And what I find weird about it is like, I viewed them trading for Dinwiddie and Bertans as like killing what's the killing two birds with one stone. Yeah, where it was absolutely. like they moved off of Kristaps, which they wanted to do, and then they hedged on Brunson leaving by getting in Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. All right, and like that's the part that doesn't make sense to me because if you are because they did that on deadline day, but you have to be assuming that was something that they kind of like we're working towards leading up to the deadline. So why would you not have offered Brunson the extension just with the knowledge of like, hey, look, like keep the asset and we already have Dinwiddie here. So once we have Brunson on this contract, we can figure out who and what to trade him for at a later point. And to not do that and risk him walking in an unrestricted free agency is like really bad asset management. And, you know, everything about his contract was so weird because they gave him a non-guaranteed fourth year instead of a team option, which meant that they never had the opportunity to put him, make him a restricted free agent last year. Kind of like had the Knicks, they had the option of making Mitch a restricted free agent last year. They obviously chose not to, um, but they didn't. Even, Dallas didn't even have the option. And so, like, this was just all around, you know, from Donnie Nelson negotiating that contract with Leon Rose, by the way, which is hilarious, um, to how they bungled this deal and kind of everything about it at the deadline, like really, really bad asset management from them. And for the Knicks, you know, look like they took their opportunity. You can feel however you want to feel about the trades they made on draft night. But like assuming the Brunson deal goes through part of that calculation is definitely now that Jalen Brunson was signed. Uh, That's part of the value of what they did. So, you know, I also just want to say, like, I think it's really weird how people are like, oh, they did all of this to get Brunson. It's like, what did they What did they do? Like, they salary dumped Kemba. Just they... because you, people don't understand, like, it, it seems like it's literally coming down to like, oh, they did a bunch of nerd shit. I don't understand. That's 100% what it comes down to. Like, oh, like people associate nerd shit with like, oh, like Maury has to free up space for the Harden trade. So he has to do 18 3D, 5D chess maneuvers or whatever to do it. It's not that fucking complicated and it's especially not that shouldn't be that surprised or complicated when you consider what this Knicks front office defining characteristic has been, which is being really good at doing like margin asset management type stuff. Which, by the way, as one of my like 5,000 rants that I have to go on today, is the type of shit that people worried that a front office headed by a former agent would be bad at and the Knicks are great at it and the other team involved here is also headed by a non-basketball person and is doing the exact shit that everybody and their mama fucking predicted the Knicks front office would do because they're headed by 
a non-basketball person, I have not seen one person on Twitter in the midst of all this Brunson shit talk about how they just did a strict cell phone. Like, a, they couldn't solve the math problem. Straight up. Straight up. This is the only fucking franchise of all the teams who have non-basketball people at the helm who can't do the math on this asset management shit. Not a single reporter, not a single blogger, not a single writer has fucking mentioned it about Nico Harris. Zero. And we had to hear like 18,000 articles about why the Knicks should have hired a basketball person. So keep yeah, that same I, fucking energy, guys, if and you're I don't, listening I don't, to this. I don't even really understand the like... Like, what does it mean to be a basketball person? I'm sorry, like, I would venture to guess that, yes, Leon Rose does not have a ton of experience as an executive, but he has been around basketball for a very long time. He has been an agent, a power agent, for a very long time. He built out an agency. And, like, obviously being an agent is very different than building a basketball team, but you're or part of the Nike. business. Yeah, like, you're part, <laughs> yeah, right, you're part, part of, of the, <laughs> you're part of the business. So, you understand, like, there is some basketball knowledge there. And this idea that, like, Wes doesn't know ball. And, like, bro, like, do you understand what, like, Worldwide West was basically a recruiter for Kentucky. Like, I'm not saying it requires elite talent to identify the top high school basketball players in the country. But it does require some skill to guide them to Kentucky. And then if you look at the hit rate of players from Kentucky, over the years, uh, I would venture to guess that it exceeds the hit rate from most other schools, even Blue Bloods. Um, so clearly, he does have some idea of identifying talent. He also, we know, was a driving force of them selecting Emmanuel quickly, who, however you feel about his upside and all this stuff, like at the 25th pick, that is a pretty good identification of a talent. So, like, yeah, the one Kentucky guy they've taken. <laughs> right. And so, like, I. I do I think they're perfect and that they're elite and they know everything? No, obviously not. But like, I, I don't really understand the idea of like, well, they don't, they don't have ball knowledge. Like Tibbs knows ball. Like, okay, fine. Tibbs knows ball, but like, you don't need to be some, you know, 50 year old, 50 years in the industry, like a bat, like a coach or something, or you don't need to entirely come up as an exec. You can, understand basketball from various viewpoints and apply it in different jobs. So if that anything, is, that was the one correct risk that a lot of people in the media identified with this Knicks run office, which is like their approach was collecting a bunch of dudes with way different perspectives. And would they clash? Like that is legitimate because knowing ball means a lot of things. And it, you know, if you have different perspectives, you're not always going to agree on things. And so that can be tricky to, to manage, you know, you know, if you have a front office and a coach and everybody who's like hyper analytically inclined, you don't have that problem. You have different problems, but you don't have that problem. So like, I totally get it. And I totally agree. Like people pick and choose when, you know, knowing ball is, is fits like a certain definition. And I've yet to see them fucking analyze whether anybody in the Dallas front office knows ball. Everybody was praising them back and forth, justifiably so after the Kristaps deal, which was pretty good, um, at least so far for them. Um, I mean, I, I also think, like, they were... I mean, the entire Brunson thing was so weird because they were like, why would Brunson leave? Why would Brunson want to leave? Like, he gets to yeah. play with Luca, He gets to do their competitive team, and he gets to play alongside Luca, which is his best role, and they can offer him a fifth year and all this stuff. And it's like, like, I, I don't know. I mean, probably because... This guy dropped, what was it, 
fucking 74 points across two playoff games while Luka was out and put them back on top in the series, like 2-1. You know, they, they could have easily been down 0-3 in that series if Jalen Brunson doesn't ball out, but he did. What's They're hilarious up- is, like, it's funny. <clears throat> Mavs fans have had this guy for a while, and they don't understand, like, well, I'm not going to say all of them, but, like, a lot of them don't understand his personality. Like, this guy is not just some happy-to-be-here motherfucker. Like, this guy played four years at Villanova, one that was the unquestioned best player on a championship team, like, got drafted late. Like, you don't think all that shit puts a chip on his shoulder, getting a chance, having to fucking see Dennis Smith Jr. and other guys come through doubt. Like, are you kidding me? This guy is is a killer. And, like, that's not, I'm not saying he's Kobe Bryant or something but like a lot no, of other we, NBA we, players, we only we only started saying that once he once he, he once officially try. yeah once he's officially the nick then then, then he becomes short kobe yeah he's like basically kobe but steph sized he's basically walt clyde frazier combined with kobe once <laughs> but yeah like so it, it's just odd to me you know like knowing his background he's a new york guy he's competitive never gotten the acknowledgement as the guy and now you want him to just be happy you know, being not just a number two, but like Mavs fandom widely acknowledged that as great as he is, they needed another kind of number two next to Luca, right? Like that was one of the things like, oh, like Jalen's amazing, but like we need to get Luca more help. And sure, some of that was role players, but also some of that was like, wow, Jalen did so great for what he has, right? Like that kind of vibe to his great performances, which is why it surprised people. And I'm like, dog like do y'all not see what he's doing like this is somebody who wants to prove something you don't have to be on basketball twitter or be around the game on the internet all the time to know something like you go out and hoop with anybody you know when someone has something to prove on the court like he's not just out there so he doesn't get fined all right (laughs) like yeah like i I, and it's just people are like well the, the the mavs are better he has a better chance of winning there Bro, like, he's not 34. He's not, like, some dude that's, like, dying to win a ring right now, you know? He's made... I mean, look, I mean, obviously he's not... His dad played in the NBA. So he, it's not like he came from, you know... He, he This is not, like, a guy who grew up in poverty and all this. Like, he has money, but at the same time, that's not his money. That's his dad's money. And yes, obviously, may, even making the minimum in the NBA, that's, like, you're in the 1%. Like, you're to be, like, so it's not like he's poor... But you're talking about he's probably made something like six million over his first four years in the league. Like this is cash out time. This is time to like I put in the work. I have to wait four years. I put in the work. I'm cashing out, and not just cashing out in terms of money, but also like opportunity to make more in your careers to further your potential earnings down the line. Do you think he's going to make more money? Like what gives him more potential to make more money to become? a potential all-star to become a more widely recognized player in the NBA. Is it playing as a number two to Luca or Manu Ginobili could have made Joe Johnson money. This is the example I always go back to. Manu Ginobili never made Joe Johnson money. If you switch places, you switch their money. hundred percent. Manu Ginobili was a ridiculous basketball player who could have put up like much higher scoring on slightly less efficiency for Mike Woodson in some other timeline, right? Like multiverse of madness style, but that's not what happened. And Manu's obviously fine and like it's very awesome what he did with the Spurs and I'm sure the Spurs are happy, but not everybody's wired like that. People are got different priorities. That's just what it means. People are different. Surprise, surprise. These are humans playing the game. 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it's like, you know, I, I again, like he is, he wants to prove that he can be, be the guy. Guard. Yeah, be right. a guard. Like he's not, he, he's never going to have an opportunity in Dallas. And that's like, yeah, dude, Luca's awesome. So that's how uh, awesome of course. Luca is. That's yeah. like a testament to Luca. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Good for him. Um, but yeah, like there's an opportunity in New York, and he's from the area, and his fucking godfather is running the team. And that's his... another underdiscussed thing, by the way. Like he's going to play for his hometown. Yeah, he's not just for his family. It's not just about getting dinner with his pops, man. His hometown <laughs> happens to be the most basketball crazed place in the country. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I think it's funny, like. Jalen Brunson signing with the Knicks is definitely bigger news than, um, you know, anything that Kevin Durant or Kyrie. Of- <laughs> oh my God, dog! Like Spencer Dinwiddie signed for twenty million, like not much more, not much less than what Jalen's gonna get. Nobody gave a flying fuck about Spencer Dinwiddie signing with the Mavs. I mean, not the Mavs, the Wizards, and then going to Dallas. Like, don't tell me it's just because of CAA or Leon and Sam Rose or any of that shit. It's it's just. You know, like, everything's under the magnifying glass, man. It's so weird. Well, for one of the teams in New York, anyway. Yeah, nobody cares about that. I mean, that's just... Like, I'm telling you, there's been more scrutiny over what the Knicks did at the draft and signing Jalen Brunson and salary dumping Campbell Walker than the fact that Kyrie Irving is, like, a terrorist within the Nets organization. Like, literally operating as a sleeper cell uh, to destroy them from... The inside and i respect that good job Kyrie. keep it going my favorite um, one of my, i think my favorite tweet by you this week is not related to Kyrie or jalen it's like i forget exactly what it was but just how little everybody has talked about like what does any of this mean for ben simmons basketball i love that. career nobody cares nobody, nobody cares, cares. <laughs> like i i legit like I, I mean like i'm sure ben, i'm actually sure ben simmons really appreciates it just given his situation all things considered he probably wasn't a fan of Kyrie either right <laughs> but like Damn, like literally zero words. Yeah, no, because nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares, cares about them. No one cares. The only reason people cared is because those guys might leave. Um, but nobody cares when they stay. They're just, it's fine. Nobody cares. Um, but to go back to Brunson, um, yeah, look, I, I uh, Seth Partnow and Fred Katz, they did a, it's called Call In. It's like an app. It's basically like a green room. They did green room essentially today. It's called Call In. Um, I jumped on. And it's like a Twitter thing? No, it's like an app. It's called oh. Colin. Um, but it's basically a green room. And, you know, uh, I jumped in and I was talking to them. And it's like, you know, Katz was talking about him, like He doesn't know what the Knicks plan is. And it's so frustrating. And I've seen this expressed so many, what's the Knicks plan? What's their end game? What's the end game here? And it's like, I jumped on and I was just like, look, I don't think it's that complicated, man. Like, really they, <laughs> they want to be good. And they're going to try to be good because they think if they're good, Players when they are pro when they want to leave stars or whatever when they want to leave the towns and the markets they're in will look at the Knicks and be like okay that's a competent organization they know what they're doing they're consistently pretty competitive but they need a star to take them over the top and I am star and I want to go come to the in Knicks. and I'm going to be beloved it's going to be a great team this is, we've seen this happen in other places it's really not that complicated it's it well I'll, I'll let you finish before I go on one of my fucking anti-tank lens but like it's just it's really yeah, I mean, weird yeah i mean i just don't understand like it's not confusing why what's, like, what's there to not understand like why are they get good and and also like what is this like oh i don't what's i mean i even said this too on draft night but that's 
because I was just like pissed off and confused on draft night. <laughs> but like people, I'm are like, never gonna look at that live stream ever again. Yeah, <laughs> never, never again. Um, That's gonna but, be the shit they show me on loop when I go to hell. Yes, uh, but like. People are like, what's their end game? And I'm like, why do they need to have a fucking end game? They took over two years ago. The team had, they, they literally went 21 and 45 the year before Leon and West came in. Okay. Uh, their young talent was literally Frank Knox, who are both, who are no longer on the team, Mitchell Robinson, and obviously RJ Barrett. That was it. Oh, sorry. They had Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, who could forget him? Um, <laughs> And Alonzo uh, Trier. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and Alonzo Trier, who, by the way, the funny thing is the first official act of the Leon Rose tenure, I'm pretty sure, was waving Alonzo Trier. Uh, so shout out to Leon. Uh, but, like, that was their young core. You know, that was the young talent on the team. And, and they had Julius, who nobody wanted after that year. And ultimately, like, they had no path to building a contending roster. That was easy. And so, like, you look at what they have done, I promise you, if you, I would love to give Leon Rose truth serum and just ask him, like, did you actually plan on being good in 2020, 2021, the season we made the playoffs? Because I'm positive he'd be like, no, we did not anticipate being good. But once we were, it was like, okay, well, we just kind of have to roll with this. And that changes everything for you. Because if they, if they sucked, as everybody thought they would suck, to varying degrees, they would have been in the lottery, like they would have. They would not have done what they did last offseason, right? Which was okay. Well, we kind of have to try to keep this together, but let's not go crazy and commit ourselves too long. Um, but they just didn't have opportunities, and yet, even within that, right? They've added Obi Toppin. They've added Emmanuel quickly. They've added Quentin Grimes. Deuce hasn't. Uh, I know you're super high on him. I like him, but he just hasn't played enough. So I'm more like, who knows. Uh, and then Jericho Sims, I mean, that's four of those guys, in my opinion, that at the very least are quality rotation players in the NBA. Okay. Um, is that amazing, awesome levels of talent? No, but that is like actually adding to your core. Okay. And in this time, they've also added second round. They're net positive on second round picks. They're net positive on first round picks. When they came in, they had two extra firsts. Now they have four extra firsts. Okay. Like, this is not, I'm not saying they've done an amazing job and we should all just praise them and never criticize them. But like, you look at what they inherited and what they've built out. And it's like, unless you just think that they were going to be able to run this multi year tanking scheme and James Dolan was going to be cool with that, like, raise your hand if you think that. Right? If you, if you have your hand in the air, you are a fucking idiot. Okay. Cause James Dolan was never going to sign off on a multi year tanking thing. The year they could have tanked, was that first year, and that was the year where shit just went for them, and they won a bunch of games. So what the fuck are you going to do? Um, they have to operate in the middle. They have to balance this. They have to stay competitive, and they have to balance that with keeping their options open for the future. Okay, Now, is that a hard line to walk? Absolutely. Is that the path I would ideally choose? Absolutely not. Is that a difficult way to land a superstar? Looking through the history of the NBA? Yes, that is difficult. But you know what? One of the most successful franchises in the NBA right now for the past 25 years is the Miami Heat. They do not tank. They do not do anything but try to win as many games as possible every single fucking year. And because of that, a guy like Jimmy Butler will force his way to Miami. And like they have a track record of attracting stars, right? Uh, you look at a team like Toronto and they won the championship. They were a team. like People want to ret retcon this and act like 
like there was like three years in a row before they got Kawhi where everybody was like, blow this team up, blow this team up, blow this Hell team yeah. up. Like nobody, they weren't a they contender. They traded for yeah. a fuck ton of guys. Yeah, I I don't care if they made the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of times. Not a single person in the world thought they were a contender. All of those series against Cleveland were a joke. They lost plenty. Like they were not considered a contender. That's just a fact. If you want to try and retcon that, you can go fuck yourself. Okay, this is a team. They found a way. They they pulled the trigger when they had the chance, and they got a superstar, and they won a championship. And by the way, by the way, I'm just going to throw this out there. When did they get Kyle Lowry? Oh, they traded Kyle Lowry. They got Kyle Lowry. They traded a first-round pick to get him when they weren't good, and they didn't have a franchise player. They didn't have a superstar. But like that's the exact thing that apparently, oh, the process that the Knicks are doing is bad. You can't do anything until you have a generational superstar. Yeah, Please yeah. shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, like, this is it's the worst stupid. shit ever. Like, Giving a generate, how many fucking championships do all the teams that tanked for a generation of superstars have? The, none. none. They don't not, have any. They don't fucking have conference finals. Most and of them. and this is what is even stupider about this. Okay, how many players in a given point in the NBA would you say are good enough to be the best player on a championship team? I it's would like five. Yeah, it's like at maximum. <laughs> if you really want to push the boundaries, you could say ten. All right. Let's say you. Let's say that. Let's just say there's ten. So are you just supposed to like keep tanking if you yes, don't have one of those 10 guys yeah, and never and it's like that's just not realistic and it's not realistic for a few reasons. Like you can you can t- say that James Dolan as an owner should understand that and be okay with the front office tanking and tanking and tanking and tanking and tanking and tanking until they get that caliber of player. Here's where that falls apart though because literally we know that when Sam Hinkie did that, it cost his job. And because it cost his job and that it pissed off a lot of people on the NBA, you do not see many teams engage in that type of blatant tanking behavior year after year after year. This is why the entire OKC thing is so gross and disgusting. Um, and, like, you know, we'll see what the Rockets do. I don't get the sense the Rockets are as interested in endlessly tanking. No, they actually did, like, a Tibbsian type situation for like half the year where all their fans were like stop playing the vets <laughs> the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before plus right now DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk free bet up to $1,000 that's right make your first bet up to $1,000 and if it doesn't win you'll get another shot to cash in you can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. The way it comes across and all the reporting I've seen about them, it feels like they are, they have their young talent. Like, like they got Jalen Green at three and they got Jabari Smith, right, at three also. Or no, sorry, they got Jalen Green at two, Jabari Smith at three. Like they have their top end young guys. They drafted a bunch of other young guys. I think if they got good this year, as much as they probably want Victor Wambanyama, they would not start like shutting down Jalen Green and shutting down, 
you know, all these dudes just to tank. Which like the Thunder will. Right, which the Thunder will. And I think that's the only team that, that operates like that. There's no other team in the NBA that does this now, right? There's just not one. And, like, I'm not saying that teams don't tear things down and tank for a year or, like, yes, obviously that occurs. But blatantly tanking years is not a realistic option because at some point your owner is going to be like, why are, why do we just suck every year? And you keep telling me we're going to draft some player who's going to turn things around, but you never, you're never able to, you, you never seem to be able to draft this player. Like it's going to cost you your job. So it's just not realistic. It's not feasible. It makes no sense. Like this what happened you, to the magic and the magic have had various degrees of not like, OKC level tanking, but opportunity to have high picks to jump up multiple picks, their picks, other people's picks. And they've got tons of great players. Tons. Yeah, but and not that guy because that guy is really hard to get. That's what people don't understand. Even if you expand it beyond the top 10 players in the league and the best player on a championship team. Like, you know, I always talk about Memphis. Like, John Morant and Jaron Jackson are really good. None of them are as good as Joel Embiid, but they're really good, right? So, like, John Morant and Jaron Jackson, it took extraordinary luck for the Grizzlies to get those two. They had to... The Jaron Jackson draft was an incredibly deep draft. In many other years, he would have been a top three pick, if not a top two pick. The fact that he was picked where he was in that draft was a testament to his upside as a young, productive player who was showing truly, like, had true stretch five potential and also could, like, dribble the ball without falling over and also was pretty athletic. John Morant, that whole thing is, like, well chronicled. Um, they jumped up, happened to be second pick in a quote-unquote two-player draft or whatever. And it was only after they got those two guys that they were able to do all the, like, awesome margin moves and draft all the role players and da 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 So, like, that's great. That's wonderful. Steph Curry's team is still going to fucking wash you because he's a top player in the world. It's yeah. really hard. And, and and also, like, let's say all 10 guys, let's say we just said, right, maybe there's 10 guys at most that you could say could be the best friend of championship team. Let's say all 10 are on different franchises. Like, you're trying to tell me then that the only thing the other 20 teams should do is tank? Like, that's it. They should just tank because there's no other, they have no chance to win that year. And therefore, they, like, that's just stupid. It's not realistic. Like, it's, it's not how it works. Uh, and, you know, like, I'll just say this. And I, I don't even hate tanking. It's just like, number one, it's not bulletproof. It's far from bulletproof. And like any other method of team building, it requires tons of luck. And I think it's actually cool. I mean, I don't think the gross tanking is cool, but I think it's cool that there's different ways to build really good teams in this league. I think that's one of the coolest things about the NBA. That's not really true in other sports. And in a league where so few players on your roster determine really what your team is, the fact that there's so many different ways to create wonderful teams is pretty dope to me. I would rather that than fucking everybody tank off unless you have already lucked into one of those teams. That's just me. Maybe I'm crazy. Look, I just, I've never been a huge advocate of tanking. I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that it is the number one way of building a title team. Like, I don't think there's any, there's no foolproof way of building a title team. Like, that's literally the the godfather of tanking, Sam Hinkie, has said this. He has said, like, there's ultimate, there's no way to 100% like build a contender. Pretty much all ways are bad ways yeah. if you think about it, because it's that difficult. Yeah, every path is a low risk path, and if like I mean, if you just look at the last thirty years of the NBA, right? So that's it's two thousand twenty two. 
so going back to, let's just say to 1990, right? These are the champions, right? Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, Giannis, Duncan, Kobe, Shaq, Curry, and, and LeBron. Yeah, I was like, damn. Yeah, I knew I was missing somebody. LeBron. Like, I thought that, that was intentional. <laughs> no, I wasn't at all. Uh, yeah. I, even I don't hate LeBron that much. Uh, but like that—that's like eight guys. Like that—that's what you're talking about, you know? Like, and yes, you can. Kawhi is a weird one, obviously, right? Like, then you have Dirk. He gets a year. But like broadly speaking, you look at the last thirty years. These are the dudes that have been the best player, players on multiple championship teams, and that is how small a group you're talking about. That is the type of caliber of player that you need. And to get that type of player is very, very difficult. It's very, very, very difficult. And there's no guarantee that even if you get that caliber of a player, that you're going to win a championship, right? Like, there'll be, there are hundreds and thousands of people that will swear to you that James Harden in his prime was good enough to be the best player on a championship team. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. He didn't do it, so I can't give him credit for it, but I, I don't disagree with that. But the point is, like, he was really good. Daryl Morey landed him. They had like an eight-year run together, and Daryl Morey was considered a great GM during that time, and they didn't win a championship. They never even got to a finals. You know, like that's how hard it is to do. So, you know, this idea that like nothing, the Knicks, what they're doing is stupid because they're not tanking, and they're, who cares, man? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I've watched so much shitty basketball in my life. I'm not going to get upset if the team is trying to get better and doing it in a way that I personally think is responsible. They're not punting away first round picks. They haven't, not so far, they haven't traded away a bunch of young talent, right? Like they, they're doing it in a way that I'm like, okay, if Brunson is good and your young guys develop to the way that you think they can develop, I think this team could be really good. And I think it could be really fun. And yes, they'll still need to land a superstar at some point. But like, why does that need to happen right now? Like if, if I have to have that before I do anything, I'm sorry, that's just a bullshit it's really bullshit to me. Um, like, I, I don't get it. I don't get that at all. And and I'll just throw this back to you, and I know you have plenty of things to talk about. Why is it? I, th- I find this very interesting. Last summer, when the Bulls went for it, oh my God. they got praised. They got <laughs> praised so much. Oh, you know, they're going for it. They're They're being ambitious, and they're really finally trying hard to win games. And it was like, this weird thing where it was fine that they traded two first round oh, picks for DeMar's flawed, yeah. but he's so good at one yeah. out of the things that they specifically need to compete. Yeah, and it's like, oh, the, the well, the Vooch trade is okay because they need to try to win games and keep Zach Levine and like all this shit. And that's cool if that is your mindset. But you can't then at the same time turn around and be like, oh my God, what are the Knicks doing signing Jalen Brunson? Like, why did they dump Kemba Walker? To, to do this. Like, we traded four seconds to dump Kemba. We have three more first-round picks down the line. Like, and then you sign Jalen Brunson. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I just don't see how any of this is... How is it different? How is it worse? How is it, like, you know, like, I, I just don't get that. So if, if you were a person that was, like, celebrating the moves the Bulls made last offseason, which resulted, by the way, in a grand total of a 45-37 and 37 record and getting gentlemen swept by the Bucks in round one, uh, so they matched the accomplishments of the 2020-2021 Knicks. Congratulations. Um, at the cost of giving away three future first-round picks and all kinds of shit. So, you know, like, if you're going to praise teams that do that, 
then I don't want to hear about how the Knicks are skipping a step or they're not doing the process right or whatever bullshit you want to come up with. There's like, if you want to talk about like the valid concerns of how Tibbs might use the tools at his disposal, which will likely be a bunch of talented young guys, Jalen Brunson, maybe Julius, maybe not Julius, and less vets aside from that than were there last year. I would love to discuss it. It's a fantastic, legitimate thing that really is going to be the defining question leading up to the season. That's cool. But, like, don't – like, as far as team talent for $25 million that you could infuse, so basically well short of a max guy, you would be far – you would be very hard-pressed to find a more impactful addition than this in the last five years, like, at that – price range 20 to 25 million dollars it i i can't think of it because this guy the knicks troubles with ball handling and point guards are so well chronicled beyond just knicks fandom you don't got to be on knicks twitter to understand that we have to deal with alfred payton and alec burks and these guys and that guys or whatever but like the guy is really elite at two-point shooting for a ball handler not for a short person for a ball handler. And, really and for, for anybody. And, and for, for anybody. a short person, though, too. And, and for a short, especially for a short <laughs> person is probably the more appropriate way to put it. Because most of the people who are crazy two-point shooters are like, I don't know, Kevin Durant or like Jalen Brown, like really tall guys. And then there's Jalen Brunson, who's like my height, which is crazy. Um, So he's really good at that. He's a really good ball handler, which we haven't had. We have Derrick Rose, who's a really good ball handler, but that's really it. Um, we have solid ball handlers, but we don't have anybody with like legitimate ball on a string. Nobody is questioning his ball handling ever um, until we uh, see year three IQ. But um, so we don't have that. The Knicks were the worst team in the league in two-point shooting. I, I think, I mean, I've you typed this on Twitter, all caps. I've typed it on Twitter, all caps, but like, the Knicks' main goal as far as team improvement, forget, like, long-term championship contention, forget development of the young guys. If you were just looking at, like, how do we be, how, how do we become better next year? The first thing that should be highest priority should be rim penetration and or two-point scoring. Those two things are related, right? So, like, usually that costs a lot of money, max money, unless you're getting... I don't even know. That's usually just like a max money thing in general. Like most of the guys who are really good at that are big time centers or big time ball handlers who get into the paint a lot. And Jalen Brunson is really, really good at that. And he's also really good at the other things the Knicks talked at that I mentioned, which is ball handling and and just understanding how to be a point guard and all that. So you're telling me you can get somebody who addresses most of the Knicks' biggest weaknesses on offense which are normally things that you can only address in one fell swoop through a max guy, in somebody who's basically getting Spencer Dinwiddie money, that's a fucking coup. If people don't understand why I'm so excited about Jalen Brunson, that's why I'm so excited about Jalen Brunson. Usually, if a team has glaring holes, ask ask Boston how they're going to fill their fucking void of rim penetration on the cheap. Have fun with that. It's really hard. They won't, they won't do it. 
They're not going to do it unless they trade for Derrick Rose. That's the only way they'll do it, which they should totally do, which the Knicks should totally also do. But No, we should not send Derrick Rose to Boston. All right, they can get Alec Burks. He's a point guard anyway, so whatever. Exactly. But, um, yeah, it's just it's just really weird. Like, people are, like, people are mad that he's not a max player, essentially. Okay. Like, what do you want? To, what do you? What do people want? Like, the Knicks to find a max player and just pull him out, yeah. put him out of our butts, and magically make him appear. I want that too. But and the other thing is, the, the cap space is gone. Like, the cap space is going to be gone next year. You you have the cap space right now, and I understand like just having cap space doesn't mean that you should just spend money. But like, you should probably spend the money. You should probably spend the money. What because, else are you gonna? This is what I'm saying. What yeah. else can you spend the money on? That again. They're thinking about the team. They're not thinking about, oh, which of the Knicks... I mean, they're thinking about this too, but like, in addition to thinking about what are what are the players that we have, they're thinking about what is the team that we have. And this is the most... like Rather than spend, say, $12 million or whatever on Tyus Jones and then another $12 million on somebody else, those two signings combined are not going to address the Knicks' weaknesses the same way signing Jalen Brunson does because Tyus Jones doesn't address any of the Knicks' weaknesses. The Knicks' problem isn't too many turnovers. The Knicks' problem isn't good defense. When Kemba wasn't on the floor, they had a top-five defense in the NBA. And the year before that, with most of the same guys, they had a top-five defense in the NBA. And most of the young guys who are good defenders are still playing and still getting better at defense. So they're not really worried about defense. They're worried about offense. And they're worried about particular facets of offense. They got good shooters. They don't need more... Well. I mean, you can never have enough good shooters, so I shouldn't say that. But, like, they're worried about specific holes in their offensive profile, and Jalen Brunson satisfies those in a way that very few players in the league can. And you can get him at discount value. All it takes is using flexible contracts as they were intended when you signed them as flexible contracts. It's not a failure of the contracts of Alec Burks and Derrick Rose and Nerlens Noel. If you move them now, they're being used for exactly what the fuck they were intended to be used for. It's not that hard to understand for me, but maybe that's because I spend too much time listening to you and Jeremy talk about cap intricacies and stuff like that, even though I don't listen to cap or no cap. And I don't know, other other people around the league probably don't listen to that stuff as much. So it just seems like the Knicks are generally doing a lot of things to sign Jalen Brunson, who seems to not be a max player. So if I was like, I don't know, like a super casual about it. I could see that. But a lot of the people who are slinging these takes, I know are not just like know-nothings. They're smart people who write about this stuff and report about this stuff and care about it. But like all of a sudden people get stuck with fucking stupid syndrome and are oblivious about it. And I just don't understand it for the life of me. Like I don't blame anybody for not watching the Knicks because it's not fun to watch. But like it's okay to just not know and then go research. Like, oh, wow, like does Jalen Brunson bring to the table what the Knicks need? I don't know. Let me go look at what the Knicks were bad at. If you did that, you would you would find the answer really easily. <laughs> yeah, and like I'll I'll be honest, like I still my in my heart of hearts, I would prefer if they had just, just let, let IQ. Run. Yeah, just let yeah. IQ cook. But like you can't look at it from a pure basketball perspective and be and and act like you don't understand. Oh, I don't understand why the Knicks would do this. They were 30th in the NBA in two-point percentage. Like, literally, that is that is dead last. They were dead last in the NBA in two-point <laughs> like percentage. Like, three-pointers matter, but come on, yeah. man. <laughs> they could not score inside the arc. Jalen Brunson is one of the elite inside-the-arc scorers from the guard position. I'm not, like, like flat out. Not, not, there's no, uh, that's not an exaggeration. He is one of the elite 
two-point scorers among all guards in the NBA. Okay, that is a fact. He basically is, if you look at his shot chart, he's essentially green everywhere inside the arc. From everywhere, mid-range, elbow, post, at the rim, whatever the fuck. He is efficient all around. Okay, he is, and he he's been over forty percent on catch and shoot threes for three years running. He needs to up his volume. He needs to be a little less hesitant to take those shots. But when he takes those shots, he is a sniper. Okay, and effectively, what you're betting on now is if this guy, if you know, he had this series against Golden State where they went under on every single pick and roll and dared him to shoot the threes, and he couldn't make them pay. Look at his career from Villanova to all through to now. Look at his growth year after year after year. This guy finds ways to improve his game, to push himself beyond what anybody thought was expected. If there is a dude that you could expect to jump as a pull-up shooter off the dribble from three, I think this is a really good bet. And if he does connect on that, now you're talking about, like, yeah, maybe he can make a all-star team or two in the East. You know, like, Fred Van Vliet just made an all-star team. I don't think when he signed... I mean, look, I would have signed Van Vliet in 2020. I wanted... We were, we were very thirsty for Van Yeah, I wanted the Knicks to sign Van Vliet. So, like, I don't care about all this bullshit. I'm like, oh, well, you gotta have the, the, the fucking superstar in place. No, like, you need a point guard. And this is the other thing that drives me nuts. Every year, for like 25 years, I've had to read and listen to articles endlessly talking about how the Knicks need a point guard. They need to get find a point guard. They haven't had a point guard. They got to get one. They got to get one. They got to get one. Fucking Fred Katz wrote like in every fucking article this guy has written, there's like a mention of like the Knicks need to get talent at the lead guard position. Same with Begley. Same with all of these lead guard, like all these beat writers. Like, oh, what, what could Tibbs do without a point guard? What could Tibbs do without a point guard? How can he be judged without a point guard? What could we possibly ever do to judge Tibbs unless he has a great point guard at his disposal? Guess what? They went out and got one. So all of you guys on the beat that have been talking about this, I don't want to hear any of this shit about like, well, what did the Knicks do? Was it the right process? Was it? Get the fuck out of my face with that. Get the fuck out of my face. You wanted the Knicks to get a lead point guard you were using that as a fucking crutch for Tibbs all year. He can't do any better. He can't do any better. He's got to start Alec Brooks. Guess what? No more crutch. There's no more crutch. There's no more excuses. This is put up or shut up for fucking Tibbs. You got yourself a point guard that isn't Derrick Rose and can only play once every five years. Like You have a durable lead guard who put up whatever. He put up, I think, like 20. He averaged over 20 a game in the playoffs. Like He is a legitimate ball handling guard that can score off the dribble he's got no excuses now i am happy that the knicks have done this actually now um even if it wasn't my preference because there 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 will be no excuses now there there can be no excuses you wanted a guy like this got you a guy like this shut the fuck up and coach the team You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.